Hey folks, welcome back. Today we've got an exciting episode with you. Zooming in from beautiful Windsor, Ontario, we've got Alan Abbas, who is a real estate entrepreneur and a brainiac. And the reason I say he's a brainiac is because he worked for years in robotics. And as far as my pea brain is concerned, anybody that works in robotics must be a brainiac. So I'm interested to find out about Alan's journey, how he's applied some of those skill sets to real estate investing. And he's also doing something very, very kind of unique. He does flips, but he doesn't do any, just any kind of flip. He flips, he likes to flip mobile homes. So Alan, nice to meet you. Welcome to the show. Thanks Dave for the wonderful introduction. And I'm so glad to be here. All right. So, hey, robotics to real estate. How did that happen? When did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, robotics for me was just a stepping stone. I uh, entered a quarter life crisis uh, where I came into crossroads and I was just. I've had a couple of those. (laughs) (laughs) So you can relate. Perfect. Perfect. And uh, yeah, it's so funny because uh, robotics was actually the last option that I wanted to go with. Uh, I jumped around with different career paths. I initially went to school for nursing and then I dropped out after a year and a half and I figured, hey, this isn't for me. And I think the end goal was always real estate. And I thought, you know, you have to work hard, save 20% down, buy a rental property and slowly do it the old fashioned way. And obviously I realized that's not the case, but uh, I actually moved out West. That's what everyone was doing. Uh, Now Windsor is booming, but uh, for those that remember five to 10 years ago, it was the complete opposite. No one was buying anything in real estate. We had 10% unemployment in the highest in Canada, 10% mm. vacancy. Everyone was leaving Windsor. So I followed the crowd, went out West uh, to work in the oil field initially. And just my luck in my timing, that's when oil collapsed and Alberta entered the recession. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. yeah, just, uh, I was a little late uh, in the, in the game there, but uh, luckily, I still got a job in the oil and gas industry, so I was making good income uh, at that time. That's what I thought was good income. It was the most money I was ever I ever made before. Um, but I really didn't like it because mm. you have no life. You work. Yeah. I was working thirteen hours a day, seven days a week. You're working out of, out of camp type thing, out of camp or hotel. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not the best thing for your health because. There's stuff that could kill you on site immediately. We have a safety meeting where they tell us about, uh, you know, someone that had a fatality on site. And then there's stuff that's going to kill you 20 years down the road. So it was not. <laughs> or or, or if you're do. hanging out in the wrong places in Fort Mac, it can happen a lot faster than that, too. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it really wasn't worth uh, the risk and the lifestyle was just terrible. But uh I ended up quitting that job. I got into sales. Uh, I dabbled in sales before different stuff, but uh, this time it was car sales. And uh, I, I actually enjoyed it. I liked the hunt of yeah. trying to get that next deal, but uh, I really didn't like that. Uh, the company I was with um, anyways, try to summarize this. I ended up going back to my hometown of Windsor. I wanted to get into real estate. That's when I kind of uh, learned about real estate and wholesaling and stuff like that. So you lost but, me. Where did the robotics even come into play here? Where, where at what point? Were so you that's when robotics? I moved back from Alberta. And my last option was to go back to school for two years, 2016 to 2018. Uh-huh. I, one of my best friends, he works as a robot programmer. I knew he was doing well for himself, making good money, working all over the U.S. and Ontario. And then 
since 2018, I started working in the robotics field, mostly oh, yeah. in Michigan. So Windsor, we're a border city. And uh, a lot of people in Windsor actually work in Michigan. So I was working in Michigan as a robot programmer, which, you know, it sounds fancy, sounds like a, you know, a fancy gig, but really you're working in a factory yeah. similar to the oil field. It's 12 hour days, seven days a week, every other yeah. weekend off. So it wasn't uh, all that, you know, Glamour, not that glamorous, not that glamorous, not by uh, any means whatsoever. So the, so the real estate that, that, really came into play when when did you take your first foray into real estate investing okay so when i was in edmonton i went to a seminar that's what it really uh, got introduced to me and yeah. i was trying to dabble i really didn't know what i was doing i didn't have the right mentor i didn't know what i was doing i was dabbling not getting anywhere and then uh when i came back to windsor and i was working as a robot programmer I spent a lot of money on a seminar, actually. I invested like $10,000 and I did nothing with it. Mm -hmm. So that was really eating me alive in a sense. I'm like, I have to figure out this real estate stuff. I spent too much money. I need to figure it out. And uh, I was actually laid off from robotics. It was a little slow time in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had the concept of wholesaling, but I haven't done a deal yet. And then I went to an event in Toronto, which is about a four hour drive. I went there and came back the same night. And I did some networking and that one event, I met one investor from Windsor that really changed the trajectory of my investing career and really my life. Uh, because a few months afterwards, uh, I was actually driving around city of Windsor, looking for uh, a property, driving for dollars. I found one, they had a for sale by owner side out front. I uh, called the number, uh, did a walkthrough, negotiate yeah. with the seller. I got the property under contract. And then I called that investor that I met at that Toronto event. I gave him the rundown and he was interested. And that ended up being my first deal. It was nice. a wholesale deal. It was an do you, remember, do you remember what your assignment fee was? I do. It was 3500 Well, there you go. Well, there's there's over a third of that investment recuperated in your first little wholesale deal. Not bad. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it was proof of concept. So now you go, oh, now this, I'm actually exactly. making money with what I learned. That was the, the, when the light bulb went off, it's like, okay, if I did it once, I could do it twice. If I did it twice, I could do it 10 times. So shortly after I did my second deal with the same investor, it was a $5,000 assignment fee this yeah. time around. And then I invested in myself even furthermore. I hired a coach or a mentor, joined a program, yeah. and I learned some uh, things about marketing. And then it really took off from there for me. All right. So you start off with wholesaling. Then what did that move into? And then how did that turn into flipping mobile homes? So I, I really focused on wholesaling. That's how I got introduced into real estate. So in, uh, that first deal was at the end of 2019, where I found it. The closing was in January 2020. Mm -hmm. So that in 2020, I did uh, 12 assignment deals or nice. wholesale deals. Yeah. And then I picked up two flips. Um, and then after that, uh, December, 2020, I purchased my first property. It was a fourplex in order to house hack and execute the birth strategy. And then that's how I got introduced slowly to raising private capital. And then fast forward to now we're in 2023. Um, uh, I just kind of got more experience, met more private lenders, did some more flips. And then last year I stumbled upon my first mobile home. I uh, wasn't really looking for it. It just came across my plate. I was yeah. just browsing Kijiji. I found it. Uh, I almost didn't even go for the walkthrough. I'm like, uh, sure, I'll, I guess I'll go check it out. 
And when I got there, the seller was just screaming motivation. Like they were <laughs> desperate to sell. I remember they had to add up for 50,000 and asked, Hey, how much are you asking again for this 50 grand? She's like, yeah, but I know I won't get that much. And she just talked herself down and I checked the comparable sales and I, I didn't really know it at the time in the Windsor region. I have about six or seven mobile home parks within an hour drive for me at yeah. least. And there's a lot of comps. So the comparable sales on average for uh, one that was in similar condition was 80,000 and the absolute worst lowest sale in the last year or two was 50,000. Wow. And I offered her 32,000, which she, she accepted. So I figured so why, why, why was she so desperate? Why didn't she list it with a realtor? Why didn't she go the normal route? So she was relocated to the next town over Chatham, about 45 minutes. She had to sell uh, quick. She, she uh, was working there, needed to get an apartment there. And she was behind on the lot rent uh, at the trailer park. So she was about $3,000 behind. Got it. That's motivation. That's for sure. Plus, it was, that, was it a little bit run down? Was it need a little bit of TLC to bring it up to snuff? Yes, uh, for sure. It needed uh, TLC. Now, the outside was actually really good. Uh, now that I've purchased a few more mobile homes, looking back mm -hmm. at that one, I'm like, man, that one had really good bones. <laughs> okay, well, walk me through this, Alan, because this is fascinating. You've now got a pretty broad range of experience going from wholesaling deals, you know, creating nice little pops of cash for yourself. Then am I guessing that you saved up enough money to do your own first couple of flips when, when you got into doing flips or came up with enough money for down payments to actually buy those properties? And then you did the flip with them. Then you got into a fourplex, which you bought as your primary residence or your, your house, your property hacking in this case living in one, renting out the other three. Um, what, what's throughout this whole process, what's kind of stood out as the, the big learning experience in this journey so far, right? From, from wholesaling to flipping, to buy and hold, to now niche, niching, niching in on this whole mobile home thing. What, talk me through that. Well, I mean, there's a few things, but I, I realized that, you know, the top players, the people that do this for a living full time, uh, they don't do it all by themselves. They don't typically use their money. They're partnering up with people. They're, they have private lenders, whether they, they're giving them equity or uh, it's a debt where, where they're just paying them interest. So I just realized there's really no limit as long as I grow these relationships and uh, it's not dependent on me and how much money I have in the bank. I can leverage other people's resources. Okay. Well, that's, that's a, yeah. So that if you knowing what you know, now you might've skipped the whole wholesaling thing to, to get that experience and to build up little pops of cash and just jump right into doing deals. But it was a good experience, right? You found, you learned how to find those motivated sellers and find those good deals. Okay. Now, when it comes to the, the mobile home type thing, how much of your current effort is going towards that particular niche at the moment? Well, I think I just added it kind of to uh, my repertoire. It, yeah. I'm not solely looking for mobile homes, mm -hmm. uh, but now I have an eye for them in a sense. And what I realized is a lot of investors don't like them. There's yeah. a lot of stigma around them. Uh, historically, they're actually de-appreciating assets, kind of like a car because 
you don't own the land. Right. And really, real estate goes up because of the value of the land, the actual property depreciates through wear and tear. So a lot of people just don't like them. And uh, I just, just like any other property, I, I looked at the cops and I felt very comfortable because I figured I have so many different exit strategies. Initially, I could do like a wholesale where I just buy it from a private seller and then put it on the MLS as is without doing any work or, or very little, yeah. or I could do a full flip. Or if that doesn't work, I could rent it out. And then I came across a strategy in the US where you you buy a mobile home, you fix it up, and then you sell it uh, with seller financing yeah. where I could hold the mortgage on that. So that just gave me confidence to go ahead and take that risk on that first one. Yeah, very cool. And rent own as well, which is basically another kind of uh, exactly. financing, so to speak. All right. So what would you say? So that I I'm I'm don't want to speak for you, but I'm guessing that some of the big advantages to these mobile homes is number one, there's nowhere near as much competition as with single family homes. Number two, price point is radically lower than a single family home. Number three, demand is huge, right? Because this is affordable housing. And even though typically it's a depreciating asset, the advantage is these days for us, they aren't building any more mobile home parks. So the demand is actually going up, if anything, because there isn't anything as close to being as affordable. Uh, as far as negatives go, back in the day when I was doing deals, I, I did a few mobile home type deals as well. I guess the only kind of negative might be the fact that you uh, you don't own the dirt that it's on and you do have to pay rent. You have to pay your, your, your uh, pad fees to the mobile home park on a regular basis. Plus, at least a few of the mobile home parks that I was in, uh, you had to get like your buyer or your tenant had to pass the muster with the mobile home management to get quote unquote approval for this kind of thing. Have, have, have you found any challenges like that? Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, that, that really sums it up. And, uh, yeah, you, you do have to get approved by the park. And initially I got approved for the, the first park and the second park. And I just figured, and I was told it's basically a formality, pretty much any, if you're a reasonable person, you got your stuff together, everyone gets approved. Yeah. Now I did get, uh, I had an obstacle with one. It was actually near the water. I just discovered this mobile home park uh, out of Wheatley nearby Windsor, about an hour away. And at first they didn't approve me because they said, oh, uh, they asked me, what do you plan on doing it? I said, hey, I might do some minor rentals. There's a sunroom. I like to turn winterize it and turn it into a second bedroom. They said, hey, we don't like that renovation. We're not approving you. Hmm. I said, okay, how about I'll just, I won't do that. I'll just keep it as is. They said, well, that's not the only problem. You're also buying it under a corp. We want it to be owner occupied, no corpse. I said, fine, yeah. I'll buy it under my personal name. They said, well, that's not it either. Oh, so they just did like the the jibby your jab, Alan. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be such a hard time. I'm like, man, this is a mobile home park. I get approved all the time. Like you're acting like it's the White House or something. <laughs> What's the big deal? Yeah. And uh I think what happened behind the scenes, I think the seller had a higher offer and they wanted to back out. And uh, I think they they said something to the manager, like, hey, don't approve him. Something along those lines, because uh, that's okay. the only explanation I have. So that deal didn't go through. That that one did not go through. Okay. No. Oh, geez. Well, yeah. Live and learn, eh? I don't know how you get around that in in the future, but hey, it, it only happened once, and 
Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think if, if another one comes up in that park and they don't pull anything sneaky on you, it'll, it'll probably go through. And once you got one in there and they see that you, that you clean it up and you tidy it up and you make it prettier or whatever, and you get some, sell it and get somebody nice in there, they'll, they'll probably like that whole idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Alan. Now, private capital side of things, it sounds like you're, you're doing good stuff with that. What do you find works best for you these days for finding private lenders? Well, I think it's all about relationships. People do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Yeah. So it, it might not happen overnight. Even now I have some family and friends that invest with me yeah. and I didn't start there. Um, you know, they had to watch me do some wholesaling, do some flipping. They see my results. And I think after seeing it for two, three years, mm -hmm. they had that confidence that, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing and their money is safe. Um, and just educating people. People don't really know that you can even invest in real estate in that way of uh, lending on mortgages and whatnot, or mm -hmm. even prom notes. So uh, I think, you know, building that trust and establishing those relationships goes a long way. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Now, just out of curiosity with the mobile homes, sometimes getting bank financing on those kind of properties can be a little bit of a hassle. So are you getting private financing to to purchase them and to fix them up and then turn around and selling them to your end buyer? Yes, private financing. So the last two was actually private financing. The first, actually the last three, the first one was the only one that I used my own cash. That I bought it for 32,000. I sold it for 79, three months nice. later without doing any work. It was amazing. So I'm like, how do I do more of these? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The second one wasn't as great of a result. We were still in the green. Uh, actually had a joint venture partner that uh, put up all the cash. We bought it for 30,000. I raised 35 for the uh, closing costs and holding costs. Yeah. And uh, that one, we only made a couple thousand. Uh, that one was really, really rough condition. I probably mm -hmm. should have paid less for it or could have done a little bit of work to it to get a higher resale value. Oh, so you, try, you kind of wholetailed that one as well. Is that correct? Kind of wholetailed that one as well. Yeah. That was the strategy. But uh, also those first two were in the Windsor Park, which that's kind of the worst park in the area. It's like mm. a D class, maybe C plus if I'm being generous. Tra tra trailer park boys type scenario. Is that what I'm envisioning? 100%. Trailer park <laughs> or uh, eight mile, you know, Eminem style. Okay. <laughs> so it's really, really rough. Uh, whereas yeah. the other ones, they are actually very, very nice communities. It's like a retirement right. community. Uh, the one in Windsor, just to kind of give you an example, they're very close together, like two feet apart, like right. bunched up. Whereas the one in uh, Essex, which is just outside of Windsor, they're nice like 10 yards feet apart. nice yeah. yard. They actually have a community pool. It's more like wow. an A-class neighborhood. So and very, very nice. So uh, big difference there. So I have two in that park right now. They, one of them actually just went for, uh, got listed today. The other one has been on the market for a few weeks. And uh, what was interesting about uh, the, the one that I purchased before, I bought it with 50,000 cash. Yeah. And then I got a private lender to lend me. Uh, I, I told him, hey, I figure it's worth about 80000 as is. He's like, I'll give you 80% of the value. So I bought it for fifty, but he loaned me 65000 It was through a broker. So minus the fees, I got a check for sixty grand. So I, I basically made, quote unquote, $10,000 uh, from buying that asset. I know it is debt. It needs to be paid back. But yeah. 
just for the cash perspective. I bought it for 50, but I got 60 back and I still own the asset. And then I did nice. the rentals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very, very cool, Alan. Awesome, my friend. Well, hey, time flies when we're having fun. If people are listening to this and going, I kind of like that idea. Maybe I should connect with Alan. What's the best way for them to connect with you? If they only had one choice, what would it be? One choice. I would say send me an email. If it's one choice, it's uh, my name, uh, first name, last name, 17, alanabaz17 at gmail.com. That's the All best right. way. Perfect. Or they can find you on what's your what's your social media flavor of preference? Well, I think it depends on the demographic, but you can find me on Facebook uh, with my name, Alan Abbas, or on Instagram, Alan Abbas 17. All right. Very good. Alan, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you and, and congratulations on making the moves from wholesaling to flipping to getting into buy and hold and, and also finding this kind of fun, unique little niche there with, with the flipping the mobile homes. I, I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Dave, for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.